When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. What am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. <laughs> Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Hauser, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. It is spring. Everything is awakening, budding and growing. Even at night the air is filled with the sweet scent of trees that have enthusiastically burst into bloom. A little while ago, I was walking past an area of green in my village where I would always pause and admire a patch of snowdrops over the past few weeks. They have withered now, but the clover is getting stronger every day. Juicy green stems are pushing bravely towards the sun, and that was my cue to start looking for four-leafed ones, one of my highlights every spring. That particular day, I didn't find a four-leaf clover. However, I did spot a parchment envelope tucked underneath the wilted snowdrops. Story seeds. I read in swirly script on the front. I opened it and, indeed, inside was a small handful of iridescent round seeds that looked like solid fish eggs. In addition, there was a tiny folded piece of paper on which the word INSTRUCTIONS was written in important letters. Plant in fresh soil, I deciphered the same swirly script, water and spice regularly, grows best in half shade, perfect for salads, bowls and creative crises. I was intrigued. And as soon as I got home, I ransacked our musty common cellar. I didn't find any clay pots, only an ancient watering can the size and shape of a frog prince. So instead of proper pots, I took three unicorn teacups that I rarely used from my kitchen, borrowed a few handfuls of soil from our garden, and got gardening. Water and spice regularly, I mused after I had completed the first step of the instructions. I decided to spice the teacups with my favorites, cinnamon, ground vanilla and sweet chili powder. These I sprinkled onto one cup each after gingerly dribbling some water from the frog princess spout onto the soil. This became my morning routine while my tea was brewing. I waited. A few days passed and, indeed, delicate tips started emerging from the soil. Delicate, peculiar tips, for they were not green, but colorful like the rainbow. The first teller for this episode is Robin Beatty. Robin is an award-winning storyteller and arts educator with over 35 years of experience, performing all over the world. 
On top of being a wonderful storyteller, Robin is also an actress, director, writer and teacher. She is dedicating her craft to inspiring others in the most personal, human way we know, through stories. Please enjoy Robin telling Rags Habubuk and Two Blue Rats. The story of Rags Habakkuk, the two blue rats, and the circus man who came with spot cash money. Rags Habakkuk was going home. His day's work was done. The sun was down. Street lamps began shining. Burglars were starting on their night's work. It was no time at all for an honest ragman to be knocking on people's back doors saying, Any rags? Any rags? Any bottles? Any bones? Any rags? Bottles? Bones? Any old iron? Any copper? Brass? Any old shoes all run down and no good to anybody today? Any old clothes? Old coats? Pants? Vests? I'll, I'll take any old clothes you have. Yes, Rags Habakkuk was going home. In the gunny sack bag on his back, humped up on top of the rag humps in the bag, was an old vest. And in the pocket of that vest was the gold buckskin whincher with a power in it. Well, Rags Habakkuk got home, just like always sat down to supper, smacked his mouth, and had a big supper of fish, just like always. Then he went out in the shanty in the backyard and opened up the gunny sack rag bag and fixed things out, classified. Just like every day when he came home, he opened up the gunny sack bag and fixed things out, classified. Last thing of all that he fixed out classified was that old vest with the gold buckskin whincher in the pocket. Put that on, it's a glad rag, he said, looking at the vest. It's a lucky vest. So, he put his right arm in the right armhole, his left arm in the left armhole, and there he was, with his arms in the armholes of that old vest, all fixed out, classified new. Next morning, Rex Habakkuk kissed his wife goodbye, and his 18-year-old girl goodbye, and his 19-year-old girl goodbye kissed them like he always kissed them, in a hurry. And as he kissed each one, he said, Well, I'll be back soon, if not sooner. When I come back, I shall return. And up the street went Rags Habakkuk. As soon as he left home, something happened. Standing on his right shoulder was a blue rat. And standing on his left shoulder was a blue rat. 
The only way he knew they were there was by looking at them. And there they were, close to his ears. He could feel the far edge of their whiskers up against his ears. Well, this never happened to me before. All the time I've been picking rags, he said. Two blue rats stand by my ears and never say anything, even though they know I'm listening to anything they tell me. So Rags Habakkuk walked on two blocks, three blocks, four blocks, squinting with his right eye slanting at the blue rat on his right shoulder and squinting with his left eye slanting at the blue rat on his left shoulder. Well, if I stood on somebody's shoulder with my whiskers right up there in somebody's ear, I'd say something for somebody to listen to, he muttered. But of course, he did not understand. It was the gold buckskin whincher and the power working. Deep down in the pocket of the vest he had on, the gold buckskin winter power was saying, Because you have two K's in your name, you must have two blue rats on your shoulders. One blue rat for your right ear and one blue rat for your left ear. It was good business. Never before did Rags Habakkuk get so many old rags. Well, come again, you and your lucky blue rats, people said to him. And they dug into their cellars and garrets and brought him bottles and bones and copper and brass and old shoes and old clothes, coats, pants, vests. Every morning when he went up the street with the two blue rats on his shoulders, blinking their eyes straight ahead and chewing their whiskers, so sometimes they tickled the ears of old Rags Habakkuk, well, sometimes the women would come running out on their front porches to look at him and say, well, ain't he a queer old mysterious rag man? And if those ain't queer old mysterious blue rats... And all the time, the gold buckskin winter and the power was working. It was saying, so long as old rags Habakkuk keeps the two blue rats, he shall have good luck. But if he ever sells one of the blue rats, then one of his daughters shall marry a taxicab driver. And if he ever sells the other blue rat, then his other daughter shall marry a moving picture hero actor. Then terrible things happen. A circus man came. Why, I give you one thousand dollars. Spot cash money for one of those blue rats. He expostulated with his mouth. 
And I give you $2,000 spot cash money for the two of those blue rats, both of them together. Now you show me how much spot cash money $2,000 is, all counted out in one pile, for one man to carry away home in his gunnysack rag bag, was the answer of Rags Habakkuk. The circus man went to the bank and came back with spot cash, greenbacks money. This spot cash greenbacks money is made of the finest silk rags printed by the national government for the National Republic to make business rich and prosperous, said the circus man, expostulating with his mouth. The finest silk rags he expostulated again, holding two fingers under the nose of Rags Habakkuk. I take it, said Rags Habakkuk. I take it. It's one whole gunny sack bag full of spot cash, greenbacks, money. I tell my wife it's printed by the national government to the National Republic to make business rich and prosperous. Then he kissed the blue rats, one on the right ear and the other on the left ear, and handed them over to the circus man. And that was why the next month, his 18-year-old daughter married a taxicab driver, who was so polite all the time to his customers that he never had time to be polite to his wife. And that was why his 19-year-old daughter married a moving picture hero actor who worked so hard being nice and kind in the moving pictures that he never had time enough left over for his wife when he got home after the day's work. And the lucky vest with the gold buckskin wincher, it was stolen from Rags Habakkuk by the taxicab driver. The fairy tale sponsor for this episode is Flower Fairies Gardening Services. Spring has arrived and so has the need for a thorough weeding, pruning and trimming in your garden. Let our skilled flower fairies take the work off your hands. We will not only get your greens, bushes, flowers and trees into shape, but also add an extra magical touch by sowing plants you can't buy anywhere. How about a willow that sings instead of weeps, or our unique buttercups? Each cup will yield at least one teaspoon of honey-sweet nectar per day. If you book our full spring service now, you will get a sleeping dragon for free. He snores only very softly and is guaranteed to be friendly to strangers and children. However, he will fiercely guard any treasures you might have hidden underground. If you'd like an extra magical touch, you can order the surprise bundle of season special seeds and bulbs straight from the enchanted forest. 
the flower fairies will deliver them at no cost when they arrive for your service, and their joyful atmosphere and melodious giggles come for free. Treat yourself to the flowery wonder that is a garden cared for by Flower Fairies Gardening Services. It's about blooming time. This episode is also brought to you by our new patron, Sierra. Not only is Sierra a generous supporter of the arts and the podcast, she also has a magical ability. Why, yes, I've heard a rumor that Sierra is a direct descendant from Snow White because the forest animals are her best friends. They help her with her chores, not only around the house, but also with some very 21st century things like doing her taxes. And on bright, sunny days, they all go busking together at Sierra's favorite spot in her hometown. Would you like to know what your magical ability is? You can, for as little as the cost of a cup of coffee and a biscuit per month. By becoming a patron, you can help us continue sharing the magic of storytelling with the world. If you sign up now, you'll get a postcard featuring one of the delightful fairy tale sponsor images and a lovely message from Rachel Ann four times a year. Become a member of the patron team by going to patreon.com forward slash story story podcast or storystorypodcast.com. A scented thank you to all the patrons who make this podcast possible. You are the sweet smell of springtime on our morning breeze. The seedlings from the cinnamon cup grew more purple and silver with each passing day. The vanilla ones took on a mesmerizing shade of blue and cotton candy, while those sprinkled with sweet chili powder turned a deep shade of red and gold. Delicate feathery leaves began to unfurl. Buds appeared and full of wonder I watched them open into enchanting blossoms under the light of the next full moon. The day after, my sweetheart came over for dinner. I made a fresh green salad and on a whim I plucked some blue cotton candy blossoms for decoration before serving. My sweetheart took one of those blossoms between his fingers, examined it, put it in his mouth, chewed and swallowed. How do they taste? I was curious. They taste like plants. He sang back at me. I was baffled, ate one myself, and we spent the rest of the evening sing-talking to each other and laughed until tears were streaming down our cheeks. The next day, I made a tea from the purple leaves and was a bit disappointed when the first sip showed that although the color of the brew was magical, the taste was quite bland. However, with that first sip, an idea for a plot popped into my head and by the time I had finished the cup, a story had fully formed in my head and what a story it was. Perhaps I will tell it to you sometime. After these enchanting events, I decided to save the blossoms and leaves from the red gold plant. What do you think these ones will do? 
I'd be delighted to hear your ideas in the comments. The second teller for this episode is Mo Reynolds, storyteller, speaker, and educator. Her audience loves Mo's warmth, relatability, and the way she crafts her stories into tight narratives with vivid embodiment of characters, and she describes herself as a joyful wordsmith. Based in Montana, she leads storytelling workshops and gives keynotes at conferences, camps, and retreats. She wants to craft story experiences that help people see their own stories in those of others. So now, please enjoy Mo Reynolds' telling. Many people all over the world know the stories of Anansi, but many people do not know the story of Anso, his clever and brave wife. Anso and Anansi were very happy, and they had six little eggs that were going to hatch into their own very special loved baby spiders. The first egg began to tremble, and then it began to split open, and then out came their first baby, a little baby boy spider with enormous eyeballs. He could barely walk. His eyeballs kept pulling his head over and knocking him to the ground. Anansi looked at the baby and looked at Anso. Anso, look at him. Everyone's going to laugh at him. Anso smiled, helped her baby spider up, and said, Don't worry, Anansi. He'll be fine. You'll see. And he was for the rest of his body grew into those eyes, though they still stayed very, very big. And this little spider could see so, so far that everyone called him Farsi. The next little egg, when it began to hatch, Anansi was a little worried. But then, when she came out, he saw that her eyes were just normal-sized, but her mouth, oh, her mouth was gigantic. Anansi looked at her. Anso, look at the size of that mouth. Don't worry, Anansi, she said. She'll be fine. And she was. For without enormous mouth, drink well, as they called her, could drink and drink up a whole lake and spray it wherever she wanted it for everyone to play in. And so drink well did just fine. The third egg, it trembled just a little, but it didn't gently crack open. No, it exploded open. And when they saw their third baby spider, they knew why. That little spider was covered in muscles. Every leg had muscles. Its muscles had muscles. His eyes had muscles. His stomach had muscles. Everywhere were muscles. Look at that baby, Anansi said. And you probably know what Anso said. Don't worry. He'll be fine. You'll see. And... Of course, with those muscles, he was. He was so strong and so helpful, he could reach down and pull out a tree by the roots and throw it 200 feet away. And so they called him Forest Clearer. 
When the fourth egg began to tremble, Anansi didn't know what to expect. Out came a little spider. She had nice, normal legs, fairly normal mouth, and her eyes were of normal size. It's just there were so, so many of them. Her entire head was covered in eyes. Anansi looked at her. Anso, I don't even know which way she's looking. Anso smiled and said, Don't worry, she'll be fine. You'll see. And she was. Because with all those eyes, this little spider could pick up a rock and throw it at a target 500 feet away. And so she became known as Stone Thrower. The fifth little egg began to shake, but it didn't crack open or explode open. It was sliced open from the inside, and there was a little spider with razor-like claws at the end of every leg. Anansi backed away. Anso! And Anso simply smiled. Don't worry. He'll be fine. And he was, for while it took Anansi several minutes to skin and gut a fish that he caught for his family, this little guy could do it in three seconds. And so they called him Skinner. Finally, the last little egg was ready to hatch. It trembled, it shook, it popped open, and the little spider came. And she came. And she came, and she came, and she came. She was the biggest, fattest spider Anansi had ever seen. I'm so just look, Anansi, don't worry. She'll be fine. And she was. Oh, this spider could give the best hugs. She was huge and squishy and soft, and she loved her big brothers and sisters, and they loved her. They would cuddle up on her. They would bounce on her belly, and she would laugh because they were tickling her. In fact, she was so soft and squishy that they called her Softy Squishy. And so the family was complete. Anansi, Anso, Farsi, Drinkwell, Forest Clearer, Stone Thrower, Skinner, and Softy Squishy. Anansi had to make a long trip to the village, far away, and so he left, and this trip would usually take him two days. But when three days came and went, and then four, and seven, and nine, and then ten days went by, and Anansi was not home. Anso gathered her clever children and said, Oh, my dear clever children, I think something has happened to your papa. Who can look? Who can follow with their eyes where he went? Farsi stepped up to his mama. I can find papa. And he stood on a rock, and he looked, and he looked, and he looked, and he said, Oh, mama. Papa must have gone all the way around the impenetrable forest because there on the other side, I see, I see it tracks like something dragged him into the lake. I think a fish, I think a fish has him in the lake, Mama. 
But the impenetrable forest was between them and the lake, and they did not have time to go all the way around. Oh, clever children, asked Anso, who, who will clear the forest? Ha, I will, said Forest Clear. I've got this, Mama. And he did. He ripped and he ripped and he ripped until there was a lovely path right through a forest. They came to the edge. Oh, clever children, clever children, here we are at the lake, but, but we can't all swim. We can't find the fish. How can we find your papa? How can we get rid of all this water? Oh, mama, I can help you there. And she began to slurp and drink well, drank and drank and filled her enormous cheeks with that entire lake. And all of these fish were flapping and flopping around. But there, there was one fish that had a definite Anansi-sized bump in it. And so Anso went and grabbed it out of the lake. Meanwhile, all the other fish were gasping and thirsty and wondering what on earth had happened. And so Drinkwell put all the water back for them. Oh, clever children, Anso said. Clever, clever children, how do we get your father out of this snake? Huh. Skinner stepped up. Mama, I will save Papa. And so... In three seconds flat, the fish was gutted, and there was Anansi coughing and hacking and very, very smelly, wet fish guts all over him. And while his family loved him and they were so happy to see him okay, they also didn't want to be too close to him. And so they backed up a little bit. Now, while I don't like the smell of fish, Eagles definitely do. And so while his family had backed away, an eagle swooped down and grabbed Anansi up in its claws and began to fly away. Oh, clever children, asked Anso. Who, who can knock father? Who can knock him out of the eagle's claws? Stone thrower, mama, I can do this. She picked up a rock. She launched it at the eagle, and it, it popped its foot. The eagle cried out in pain, opened its claw, and Anansi fell. But the eagle was very high, and Anansi was falling very fast. <gasps> oh, clever children, clever children, who will catch your papa? I will, cried out Softy Squishy. And she moved a little to the left, and a little to the right, and a little to the left, and then, boom, she caught Anansi right in the middle of her soft, squishy belly. Anansi was saved. They got him cleaned up. He was smelling nice again, and they were all home, enjoying being together once more. When Anansi brought out from his little pouch a beautiful white stone, he told them that he had traded for it, and it was the most spectacular thing he'd ever seen. And so he wanted to give it to the child who had rescued him. He handed it to Farsi. Oh, my dear Farsi, if you had not seen me, 
and known I was in that lake, I would be lost forever. You have saved my life. Farsi looked at the stone and looked at his family. Oh, Papa, I didn't save your life. I just saw where you were, but but Forest Clearer, he's the one who pulled all of the trees out of the way. He saved your life, and he passed the stone to Forest Clearer. Forest Clearer looked at the stone and looked at his family. Oh, Papa, I didn't save your life. I just got us to the lake, but but drink well. She drank up that whole lake so we could find the fish. She saved your life, Papa. And then Forest Clear handed the rock to Drinkwell. But Drinkwell said, oh, oh no, I just drank up water. It was, it was Skinner who got you out of the fish. Skinner's the one that saved your life and handed the stone to Skinner. But then Skinner looked around, no, 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 no. I mean, I just got you out of the fish. But then that eagle scooped you up. And well, Stone Thrower, Stone Thrower's the one who who made sure that you got freed from the eagle. You would have died if Stone Thrower hadn't thrown that rock so well. Stone Thrower saved your life and handed the rock to Stone Thrower. And Stone Thrower shook her head. No, no, it was softy squishy. If she hadn't caught you, Papa, you'd be a dead splatted spider by the lake. Softy squishy is the one that saved your life. And she gave the rock to softy squishy. Softy Squishy looked at everyone and and wanted to say no, no, and Anso just held up her leg and said, you know, I think you all saved Papa's life. Why don't we work together to put this stone somewhere we can all share it? And so they all came together and they each grabbed the stone and they threw it so far in the sky that it stuck and it stayed. And now we call it the moon. And sometimes the moon is very large. And sometimes the moon is very small. Sometimes it's orange. Sometimes we can't see it at all. But the moon is always there reminding us that help and light comes in all shapes and sizes. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Robin Beatty at robinbeatty.com and Mo Reynolds at moreynolds.com. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. Times are still strange and art is still needed more than ever. Go find your favorite tellers from the podcast and discover what they can bring to your home. If you have questions or comments for the podcast, you can send us an email at storystorypodcast at gmail.com. You can also connect with me directly at isabelhauser.com. I would love to hear from you. If you get in touch, let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. The brains behind the fairy tale sponsor was, well, me. And the two flower fairy figurines I stuck in a plant I had recently potted at my sweetheart's house. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was a story seed from Laura Packer. The music is by Poddington Bear. 
This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You will hear more stories next week, but until then, live happily ever after. Mary-Kate opened up the door and there on the doorstep wrapped in his own blanket was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court. Yeah.